0: I'm Dennis Tubergen. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program. Glad you decided to tune in today. Joining me in segments two and three of today's program is returning guest, Mr. Brian London. Brian is the president and chief executive officer of Jefferson Financial. Jefferson Financial operates the longest running gold newsletter. It was actually founded back in 1971, as Brian will tell us. That's when Richard Nixon eliminated the link between the dollar and gold. Uh, The founder of Gold Newsletter, Mr. Jim Blanchard, at the time, noted that that would probably create a bull market in metals. And uh, he began to publish Gold Newsletter at that time. So the newsletter has been around for about 51 years. Uh, Jefferson Financial also sponsors the New Orleans Investment Conference. Uh, Brian is a very bright guy, and I know you're going to appreciate his perspective. And again, he'll be joining me in segments two and three. It is still September, so I want to give you your last opportunity to get a free copy of my September special report. The special report is titled, Can You Profit from the Recently Passed Inflation Reduction Act? When you request that report, I'll also send you a copy of the best-selling revenue sourcing book, That outlines the revenue sourcing planning process which is a planning process that's designed specifically for today's crazy economic and investing environment i'll send you the report the book as well as some bonus information absolutely free all you need to do to request it is go to the website requestyourreport.com the website again is requestyourreport.com when you go to that website All you need to do is let us know your name and the address to which you would like to have all this information sent. We'll be glad to send it out to you again at no cost and no obligation. So again, the website is requestyourreport.com. Now, I have been stating here on the program since the beginning of the year that it's my opinion that the U.S. economy is in recession. Now, since the first of the year, the numbers have come out for both the first quarter and second quarter of the year, and economic production did indeed contract during the first and second quarter of the year. Now that meets the technical definition of a recession. Historically speaking, a recession has always been defined as two consecutive quarters of economic contraction, or as an economist would say, two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth. Of course, only an economist would use those terms. So the economy is contracting, and it seems the Atlanta Fed is predicting the same for the third quarter of this year. Now, regardless as to whether or not some politicians want you to call this a recession or not, It really doesn't change economic or investing reality. As far as investing reality is concerned, as I'm recording this a couple days before it airs, if I take a look at what stocks have done, measuring the S&P 500 over the last month, stocks are down, once again, almost 10%. Stocks are really letting us know that a recession may be here as well. Now, this past week, I read with particular interest a story about Federal Express. FedEx, as you all know, is a shipping company uh, known for overnight delivery. Now, FedEx was among many stocks that saw stock prices plummet after the company said, you know what we told you we were going to earn in 2023? Now we're not too sure. The company withdrew its 2023 earnings guidance. Now, it's not surprising because when you look at FedEx's most recently most recent quarters numbers, uh, it's really, really dismal. Analysts were expecting FedEx would make a profit of $5.10 a share. The actual profit was $3.44 a share. Doing some quick back-of-the-napkin math, That's about a 35% decline in expected profits. Well, that came about because operating income fell from 1.74 billion to 1.23 billion. Operating income was down about a half a billion dollars. Operating income was down about that same level as profits. So the CEO of Chevron said in an interview on CNBC that it's his belief that these numbers are going to continue and uh, they don't really shed a lot of favorable light on where the economy goes from here. Now, the, the CEO of FedEx has only been on the job since the first of the year and he was interviewed by Jim Cramer this past week And Kramer said, what do you think this means for the economy? And the CEO simply says, these numbers, they don't portend very well. The economy is going into a worldwide recession. Now he also said, and this really makes a lot of sense. He said, we, meaning FedEx, FedEx is really a reflection of everybody else's business. When businesses quit shipping, when individuals quit shipping, but in particular businesses quit shipping, it tells you business is not what it once was. So after they missed their earnings forecast by 35%, they said, forget what we said about 2023, we're withdrawing it. We need to go back to the proverbial drawing board to see once where we think we're going to be in 2023. Now, if you take that story and combine it with another story that caught my attention, the CEO of Chevron this past week came out and warned Americans that natural gas prices are going to be a lot higher. Mike Worth is the CEO of uh, Chevron. He said this, there's certainly a risk that costs will go up when it comes to natural gas. He said, quote, prices are already very high relative to history and relative to the rest of the world. We're already seeing this impact being felt in the Europe, the European economy, and I do think it's likely that Europe goes into a recession, Worth said. Now, as you all know, I would disagree with Worth. I believe Europe as well as the United States are already in a recession now if there's any good news worth noted that the situation in the united states would probably not be as bad as it would be in europe and that's because europe gets a lot of their energy a lot of their natural gas from russia however he did say that natural gas prices in the united states could be significantly higher so when you take the CEO of FedEx saying that it looks like we're in a worldwide, worldwide recession and you see the CEO of Chevron saying that energy prices are going to go higher, you get more evidence of this stagflationary outcome that I've been talking about. And if you're not familiar with that term stagflation, it simply means that we have economic contraction, we have recession combined with rising prices. That seems to be where we are headed, and that certainly will likely not spell a very very positive outcome for many financial markets. So that's why I would encourage you, if if you've not already done so, request a September special report. This is the last week we'll be offering it. The special report is titled, Can You Profit from the Recently Passed Inflation Reduction Act? Uh, it will talk about why I believe the Inflation Reduction Act may end up causing even more inflation. Uh, it'll also talk about what you should consider now in your situation to protect yourself and potentially prosper. And when you request that report by going to requestyourreport.com, I'll also send you a copy of the best selling revenue sourcing book. The revenue sourcing book describes the revenue sourcing planning process that is designed to help you manage your assets successfully in today's economies, So this entire box of information, including the report and the book, will be sent to you when you go to requestyourreport.com and enter your name. Let us know the address to which you'd like us to send all this information. We'll be glad to do that. Again, the website, requestyourreport.com. Also, if you're not already using the free resources at the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates website, I'd encourage you to do that. The web address is retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. You can get our weekly newsletter, the weekly headline roundup newscast there, as well as the podcast, all at that site. Again, retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. And I'd encourage you to do that as well. I'll be back after these words with my special guest, Mr. Brian London.
1: Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. I have the pleasure of chatting once again with returning guest, Mr. Brian London. If you're a longtime listener, you probably remember Brian as the uh, president and CEO of Jefferson Financial. Uh, Jefferson Financial is a highly regarded producer of investment-oriented events and publisher of investment newsletters and special reports uh, and uh Jefferson Financial actually uh, sponsors the New Orleans Investment Conference, which I believe is the largest conference of its type in the world. Uh, They also produce Gold Newsletter, uh, which is the oldest Gold Newsletter uh, in the country. And, uh, Brian, welcome back to the program.
2: Great to be with you, Dennis.
1: So, Brian, for our listeners maybe that are not familiar with Gold Newsletter, Uh, It uh, really, the the founding of Gold Newsletter uh, was really kind of when it all started. Can you give us some background?
2: Yeah. You know, back in August of 1971, President Nixon um, severed the last remaining tie between the dollar and gold. Um, It was illegal at the time for U.S. citizens to own gold. Um, so they couldn't turn in their dollars and get gold. They couldn't own gold in any way. But foreign governments could turn in their dollars to the U.S. Treasury and get our gold in return, and they were sensing that the dollar was uh, overvalued and worth a lot less than we said it was worth, and they were doing that. They were uh, they were turning in lots of dollars and getting lots of gold. Um, so he put a stop to that and said that uh, the dollar is no longer transferable into gold, no longer any connection whatsoever, and a temporary move that's now lasted uh, some 51 years. But but that was going to actually uh, uh, reduce or eliminate any restraint on the government for producing dollars any longer. So uh, a guy named Jim Blanchard, heard that, uh, heard Nixon's announcement, and decided to do something about it, he realized that that would usher in a an accelerated uh, era of inflation, of high inflation, and without being able to own gold, American citizens really couldn't do anything to protect themselves. So he started advocating for the return of the right to own gold for American citizens, and he started Gold Newsletter that day To is uh, really a tool in his effort to lobby for the the change of those laws. Um, He was successful in 1974 and decided to have an investment conference to teach Americans how to buy gold. And that started our conference business, Um, and it's been going strong ever since. And it is the longest-running investment conference in the world. Gold Newsletter is the uh, longest-standing precious metals advisory in the world. And uh, Jim Blanchard passed away, sadly, in 1999, and I was working for him and running his business at the time, and have been continuing the uh, to carry the flag ever since.
1: Well, again, it's a pleasure to have you back, and thank you for that background. And And you mentioned the 70s, Brian, uh, which I think you, you you see a lot of parallels, uh, some parallels anyway, loose parallels between the 70s and today. It was a period of high inflation, uh the 70s saw the worst uh, bear market that really since the time of the Great Depression. Um, a lot of that was due to the fact that, uh, you know, that link between the dollar and gold was severed. And, and, and now it's almost like, here we go again. How, how would you compare where we are today with the environment that existed at the time Gold Newsletter was founded?
2: Well, while the inflation rate isn't quite up to the levels that, uh, that we saw in the 1970s, it's pretty darn high and in fact the real interest rate which means if you take the rate uh, the current rates of interest uh, like the fed funds rate and subtract the rate of inflation from it then you get to levels of real rates that are as negative as anything they were in the 1970s so a lot of similarities to the 1970s but uh, a couple of big differences Uh, One thing is that, and the primary issue, I think, is that back when Paul Volcker was cranking up interest rates to kill off inflation, he could do that because the 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 size of the federal debt was only about 30% of the gross national product at the time. So it was still relatively low. Today, instead of about 30% of GDP, the federal debt is about 130% of GDP. And that means that current Fed, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, no matter what his intentions are, even if he has the same fortitude as Paul Volcker had in fighting inflation, he just doesn't have the tools. He doesn't have the weapons at hand. And, in fact, he has nothing he can really do because he can't get the rate of interest uh, higher than the rate of inflation you can't do that because the debt is so large and if you say have interest rates at four or five percent then you're going to be paying with the debt at thirty one trillion dollars now you're going to be paying over a trillion dollars a year every year just to service the debt, um, just to pay the interest costs and considering we're already in a deficit spending situation where's the government going to get that extra trillion dollars it's going to borrow more money so it's going to borrow money to pay a rising interest on the debt it already has and then it's going to have to pay interest on that money that it borrows to pay the interest so as you can see it quickly accelerates into the kind of uh, debt spiral that would quickly bankrupt any private enterprise or private individual and you know obviously the, the, the US government operates under different rules and it takes a lot longer for these issues to, to really create a, a, a big problem when you have a government like the United States that is the that uh, issues the world's reserve currency. But people need to realize, too, that this has been going on now for, you know, this era of deficit spending for 60-some-odd years since the 1960s. So uh, it's been going on a long while, and we're getting to the end of a really um, – of a trend that that I think is going to have tremendous repercussions for everything, every financial market out there.
1: Well, if you're just joining me, I'm chatting today with Mr. Brian London.
2: Brian is the
1: president and chief executive officer of Jefferson Financial. Uh, He uh, publishes the Gold Newsletter and uh, also Jefferson Financial sponsors the longest-running investment conference uh, that exists today at the New Orleans Investment Conference and uh, you mentioned a couple things there, Brian. I, I want to follow up on, but let's let's start with the last thing you mentioned, and that is these severe repercussions for financial markets. Because short of balancing the federal budget, so the the federal government doesn't need to doesn't run a deficit, and, and even if you make that assumption, uh, the debt problem is really too big to, to to pay it down with with honest money. So it, it just seems to me that these these repercussions are going to be a, a big financial reset, and and the dollar, the currency in use, is going to have to look different than it looks today. Is that, uh, is that an out-there conclusion on my part? Uh, would you differ no, with that, or, or would you agree?
2: I, I would agree um, that, it, again, this is a trend that is, was started in the 1960s with guns and butter and deficit spending. Um, and it, it takes a long while for a, a country, country like the United States you know, the dominant world power issuing the world's reserve currency to get into the same kinds of finan- dire financial situation that any private enterprise would in the same circumstance, or even any other nation. But it's been a trend. You can you can look at charts, and I give them, I show them in my presentations all the time. But since the early 1980s, um, after Paul Volcker raised rates when he started lowering rates, every successive Fed governor, every Federal Reserve Board has always lowered rates in reaction to any recession or any slowdown economically and, and you can see this in a stair-step pattern that rates kept going lower and lower and could never return to any normal levels um, and it got to the point where they were at zero post the 2008 financial crisis and then zeroed again post COVID. Um, they can't go any lower without going negative um, but these, this endless parade of easy money policies coming in waves and waves and waves, has created asset bubbles, it's created or encouraged the accumulation of ever greater levels of debt, and it's all coming to a head right now. Now, I don't know if the next crisis that we go into that where the Federal Reserve has to lower rates again will be the, the one that destroys the credibility of the dollar, or whether it's going to be the next crisis after that, or whatever, but we are in the end game of this long process. And I don't believe it's necessarily just a dollar story, because every developed economy, every developed nation is in the same boat and doing the same thing. So I think it's going to be a matter of all of the world's currencies will have to restore credibility in some way, Um, And one of the ways, and probably the primary way that they could do so, would be to return an attachment to gold in some way to instantly restore credibility. Um, I think that's what's going to happen eventually. But whether that happens, you know, next year or in the next 10 years, uh, I don't think anyone can really say. Well,
1: and Brian, we're, we've got uh, just maybe two and a half minutes left in this segment or so. But when, when you look at what's going on with uh, Russia, China, you know, the BRICS uh, countries, uh, there, there's a lot of talk and a lot of stories in, uh, that are making mainstream media that these countries are looking for dollar alternatives to, 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 to facilitate their trade. So it, it just seems that this move away from the dollar might be starting already. What What's your take?
2: Yeah, it it, it is. I is. I'm pretty skeptical that, uh, that it could happen in the near term or in any time frame that really makes any difference for us. I think the U.S. Uh, remains um, uh, as the bastion of, of law in, in international circles. You know, rule of law in the U.S. is better than anywhere else. Um, it's not as good as it should be, naturally, but it is still better than all of the other competing regimes. Uh, for an international reserve currency. I don't think the world is going to accept a Chinese yuan or a Russian ruble as a reserve currency globally um, because those are essentially dictatorships that are run depending on the moods of the man in charge of, of each country. So I'm really skeptical that the dollar is going to lose its reserve currency status. With the exception, however, that if there is some sort of an international consortium that attaches those currencies to a uh, a standard like gold or or to gold itself, and there is a move afoot to do that, then I think that could help overcome the the issues with with the rule of law and the fact that these governments are run by uh, diktats. So if there is an, an international movement to establish an international reserve currency that is based on gold, I think that could actually represent a threat to the dollar.
1: Well, you're listening to RLA Radio. I'm Dennis Tuberg, and I'm chatting today with Mr. Brian London. Uh, Brian is the president and chief executive officer of Jefferson Financial. You can learn more about the New Orleans Investment Conference at neworleansconference.com. You can learn more about Gold Newsletter at goldnewsletter.com, and I'll continue my conversation with Brian when RLA radio returns. Stay with us. I'm Dennis Tubergen. You are listening to RLA Radio. My guest on today's program is Mr. Brian London. Brian is the president and chief executive officer of Jefferson Financial. And uh, under the Jefferson Financial umbrella, uh, there is something called the New Orleans Investment Conference that occurs annually. And Brian, for our listeners that may want to get more information, maybe get a, a, a different perspective, can you tell us a bit about the New Orleans Investment Conference?
2: Uh, yeah, Dennis. You know, it was started by, again, by Jim Blanchard back in the early 1970s to teach investors how to invest in gold, teach American citizens how to invest in gold, because prior to that, gold was illegal to own. And uh, so it started off; it was a big success, and it's grown over the years to cover really all of the uh, major financial assets and markets. But still has a kind of a consistent theme of uh, precious metals, gold and silver, sound money, uh, as well as you know personal liberty and, and free markets. So we've always focused on that kind of an idea. Are ideal uh, with each annual event. And over the years, uh, the the speakers that have graced our stage represent many of the the giants of recent history people like uh, Lady Margaret Thatcher, um, Milton Friedman, Alan Greenspan, uh, Ayn Rand had her final public appearance at our event. And we've become known for uh, presenting some of the really most insightful thinkers and uh, thought leaders of the day on everything from geopolitics to economics to the individual uh, investment markets. And it's been going strong. Again, you know, this is our 48th year coming up uh, next month in October.
1: Well, that's terrific. And if you'd like to learn more about the New Orleans Investment Conference, you can check out the site, neworleansconference.com. Uh, and I'd encourage you to do that. So, so Brian, maybe to just uh, uh, go down this this road of in, inflation a little bit more, and then and then talk about metals and gold, and kind of t- t- tie up the conversation we had in the last segment. Uh, when you take a look at where inflation is today, uh, you know, with the consumer price index, the, the government will admit to eight to nine percent. However, when you take a look at the way the CPI has changed over the years, the way the calculation methodology has changed. There are independent, uh, you know, analysts like uh, John Williams at Shadow that would argue the inflation rate be, might be almost twice that. Uh, what's your opinion?
2: Yeah, I, I think John's right. Um, he he's been tracking the methodology very closely, and I tell people all the time, you know, uh, the current CPI is not our father's CPI. They they've adapted it, uh, major reno, uh, uh, <clears throat> recalculations and rejiggering of the. Of the, uh, the, the calculation in the CPI at least twice uh, since the 1980s and they've thrown in things like hedonic deflators and substitution really looking for any excuse to try and downplay the rate of inflation so uh, you know as one example if only the CPI uh, calculated uh, health care costs uh, correctly uh, it would already be well into the double digits if it was just for that one indicator. And the federal government only uses uh, uh, Medicare reimbursement rates as its measure of health costs. And, and so that vastly understates the actual costs that people are paying every, every month uh, for their health care. And you can go down the, the list of items in the CPI, and it repeats over and over again. It's dramatically understating inflation. Um, and it's not calculated the same way as it was back then. Um, And, you know, every other indicator we're seeing shows that inflation is close to the rates that we had in the 1970s or even exceeding it, and that actual real rates, when you factor in the still relatively low uh, interest rates right now, real rates adjusted for inflation are way negative and as negative as they've, they've almost ever been in uh, the history of the United States. So this should be a very uh, conducive, a very bullish environment for things like gold, silver, precious metals, and other tangible assets.
1: Brian, what would you say to a listener that says, you know, we've had uh, significant inflation here over the last, certainly over the last year, very significant inflation, and yet, precious metals, gold and silver, don't seem to be reacting price-wise the way one would expect. Uh, what's your what's your take on this? What's your explanation? What would you say to that listener?
2: Well, I would say that the prices of the metals and really prices of every financial asset are set these days on Wall Street by traders that, in many cases, are just computers. They're just using very simple algorithms. Um, and because every financial market out there since at least 2008, and to a lesser degree even further back, every financial market has been driven by Federal Reserve policy, because the Federal Reserve uh, really is the, uh, the, 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 the bell cow for every other central bank. Every other central bank follows its policies, and the, the Federal Reserve has floated the U.S. financial markets on an ocean of liquidity, easy money. So all of these assets that used to be, um, you know, she used to have an inverse relationship like stocks and bonds. People always advised having stocks and bonds at certain levels in your portfolio because they tended, when one went down, the other tended to go up. Well, every asset class has been driven higher. All of those correlations, all those relationships, Are positive now because they've all been driven higher by central bank liquidity easy money and that includes gold and precious metals so these Wall Street traders now look at uh, on a daily basis they see what is indicating what the indicators are showing as far as Federal Reserve policy if it looks like the Fed is going to be more hawkish or have greater restraint on that monetary liquidity then they simply sell everything Uh, If it looks like the Federal Reserve might be a little looser with their monetary policy, then they buy everything together at one time. So uh, gold, which should be rising in an inflationary environment, is suffering alongside every other asset because every asset has become a risk asset that's bought and sold uh, by these Wall Street traders. Now, in gold, their trading is on the futures market, which has no relation to the physical market. In the physical market, there's been tremendous de- demand broadly for precious metals, and, uh, and yet that's not been reflected in the, uh, uh, the actual price because of this Wall Street trading. Again, I think that's all going to change very quickly once we see the uh, rising costs of servicing federal debt and the Federal Reserve is forced to stop its rate hikes. I think that's going to be a real impetus for gold.
0: So what
1: would be your forecast for, for gold and silver, Brian, if you if you dare be so
2: bold? Well, price forecasts I like to avoid so I don't look uh, too stupid, uh, but I think they're both. Huh, I'm with avoid. you there. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a price or I'll give you a time, but I'm going to give you both. Um, but the uh, I, I think that they're going to rise toward the end of the year because I believe the Federal Reserve is going to be forced – to at least take its foot off the gas on these rate hikes. And I think what that's going to show the markets is that, um, number one, inflation is still around at an elevated level. I think we have peaked over the midsummer, but I think it will still remain in the 5% to 6% range for for, uh, a very long time, frankly. So we'll still have high inflation, but the Fed will be proven that it's powerless because of the size of the debt. To really do anything about inflation and in that kind of an environment where we're going to have to live with higher inflation and we can't have the Fed restraining monetary policy I think that's an environment that unlike what we've seen before will be bearish for stocks and bonds yet bullish for precious metals and other tangible assets so essentially I think uh, that reality is going to hit the market over the next couple of months and I think that's really what's going to push the metals higher
1: and I would gather from your statement, uh, Brian, that you're a fan of owning physical metals, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. What, what would you advise our listeners uh, who want to go buy maybe gold and silver? Uh, what, what's the best way, in your view, for them to, to make those purchases and investments?
2: Yeah, you, need, you really do need to, to have physical metals. That's the place to start. You need to have it either in your home or easily accessible not in a bank safe deposit box, but in uh, somewhere that is accessible to protect your wealth. It really is insurance against the depreciation of the dollar. Uh, I would suggest a mix of gold and silver, and there are a lot of ways to buy that. You know, they could go to our our website, goldnewsletter.com. We have a special report, An Investor's Guide to Gold and Silver, that details all the ways you can buy it, and some of the best dealers out there. But the key is to find a dealer uh, that you can trust and develop a relationship with, uh, and check their prices. You can check prices online, uh, but it is good to have a local dealer that you can develop a relationship with.
1: And, Brian, you mentioned a mix of gold and silver. Do you have a favorite uh, moving ahead? Do you think silver is going to outperform gold or, or vice versa?
2: Yeah, it, it will. Silver will outperform gold, uh, or at least it always has in any kind of a bull market that was based on monetary issues, based on concerns about the future purchasing power of the currency. That's precisely the kind of market I think we're in and will be in for years to come. So if silver does what it has in every previous instance, and I see no reason why it wouldn't, uh, then you want to invest in silver as a good portion of your holdings.
1: Brian, again, uh, we are... Um, running out of time here, but in the time we have left, I want to just let the listeners know in case they're just joining us, we're chatting today with Mr. Brian London. Uh, Brian uh, has the New Orleans Investment Conference that is coming up. You can learn more at neworleansconference.com, and uh, as you mentioned, there is, there are some free resources available at your website goldnewsletter.com. I'd encourage the listeners to check that out as well. Uh, Brian, always a pleasure to catch up with you. It's been a while, so uh, we'll try not to. Uh, Uh, wait so long between visits appreciate you taking time out of your schedule today to join us and and again love to have you back down the road
2: yes dennis it's been a pleasure don't be a stranger anytime I'm, i'm always ready to come on
1: terrific we will return after these words
0: Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen, and thanks again to my special guest, Mr. Brian London, for joining me on today's program. You know, if you're just tuning in, there's one week left to get the September special report titled, Can You Profit from the Recently Passed Inflation Reduction Act? I'd be glad to send you a copy of the report, as well as a copy of the best selling revenue sourcing book. Uh, that gives you specific instructions on how to use the planning process designed, especially to help you manage your assets successfully in today's economy. If you go to requestyourreport.com, I'll be glad to send you the report and the and the book. Uh, just enter your name and let us know where to mail the information, and we will be very very glad to do so. So again, the website is requestyourreport.com. You know, I often go back and. Read what our founding fathers wrote about how we should handle our currency. And as I was preparing for this week's program, I went back and pulled the book Economic Consequences that I wrote in 2011. And to put that date in context, that's shortly after the Federal Reserve started this emergency measure of quantitative easing. To put that another way, they started this emergency measure of creating currency out of thin air in order to boost the economy. Now, Thomas Jefferson, we've talked about in the past, had some very strong beliefs about how money should work, how currency should work. Jefferson told us we should never put private bankers in charge of monetary policy, and yet that's exactly what we have done today. George Washington, though, also had some pretty strong convictions about how currency should work. In a letter to the deputy deputy governor of the state of Rhode Island in 1787, Washington wrote this, and and I'm going to paraphrase and modernize the language a bit. But Washington said, I'm optimistic in the belief that we may one day become a great commercial, and flourishing nation. But if in the pursuit of the means we should unfortunately stumble again on unfunded paper money or any similar species of fraud, we shall assuredly give a fatal stab to our national credit in its infancy. Paper currency has had the effect in your state that it will ever have to ruin commerce, oppress the honest, and open the door to ever species of fraud and injustice. Washington said we may one become we may one day become a really great economic power which happened but if we use unfunded paper currency if we create currency out of thin air it will give a fatal stab to our economy to paraphrase now, to go back in the time I have and put this in a bit of context, uh, the state of Rhode Island had put paper currency in place to satisfy their farming constituency, and this was prior to Rhode Island being part of the United States. The farmers in Rhode Island had no way to pay the taxes that were being imposed on their property. So the politicians in charge in the Rhode Island General Assembly, not only created paper currency, but with this legislation that they passed, they also put a force provision in, the, in place, which really made it, it forced all citizens to accept the paper currency for all debts, public and private. So the punishment for not accepting paper currency, this newly created paper currency, was to put you in jail without a trial. Well, this all was put to a test when John Trevitt, a Revolutionary War veteran, stopped by his local butcher's shop to buy some meat for dinner and was attempting to use this new paper currency to pay for the meat. John Whedon was the local butcher who didn't want anything to do with what he called fake money. So Whedon, the butcher, told Trevitt, the veteran, to take his paper currency somewhere else. I'm not going to take it. Go buy your meat somewhere else. I don't want your currency. Well, this set off one of the most important legal battles in the state of Rhode Island's history. It is now known as Trevitt versus Whedon, and eventually this legal battle made it to the highest court in the state. Well, the court heard the arguments and finally concluded that they had no jurisdiction and they effectively walked away from the case. Ultimately, the legislature, which was largely made up of farmers who wanted the currency so they could pay their taxes, so they could get out of debt, the legislature refused to renew the terms of the four, four of the five judges that made up the court. So if you think that political hardball is something new, it's not. It's been around as long as there have been politicians. So really not much has changed. Rhode Island politicians then, like some of our politicians today in the lobbies they coddle, attempted to pass legislation that was self-serving and detrimental to the greater common good and economic prosperity. Now, Washington saw what a problem this caused. And he pointed it out to the deputy governor of Rhode Island in a letter to him. And he said that we cannot have unfunded paper currency. That is the equivalent of fraud. And if we ever fail to recognize that truth, we would, quote, ruin commerce, oppress the honest, and open the door to every species of fraud and injustice. You'd almost think that Mr. Washington had a crystal ball when you look at what is happening today. As I talked about with Brian London today, ever since 1971, when Richard Nixon eliminated the last link between the dollar and gold, each subsequent Congress, each subsequent administration has accelerated spending and debt accumulation. And we've been moving down this slippery slope that Washington warned us about over 200 years ago. And here we are today, we have debt levels that cannot be paid with honest currency. And it's my view that we will continue to get more of the same. So my suggestion to you is to get different perspective. If you're still using the one bucket approach to manage your finances, where you put some money in stock funds, and bond funds, and rebalance those funds, depending on how old you are, you may find that that's not working very well for you. If you'd like to get some different perspective, I'd like to invite you to get the free report, as well as the revenue sourcing book. I'll send you all that information absolutely free. Visit the website, requestyourreport.com. You'll get the September report, Can You Profit from the Recently Passed Inflation Reduction Act? You'll also get a copy of the Revenue Sourcing book. You just need to go to the site, requestyourreport.com, and let me know your name and where to mail the information. And I'll be very glad to do that. That's all the time I have for this week. If you'd like to go back and listen to this program again, you can go to retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. All the podcasts are posted there. I will be back again next week.